0: we have issues our weekly comic book podcast that opens the vault feels the boom weather's the aftershock and marvels at every issue released this week i'm your host keith and i'm here to talk to you about all your favorite issues and publishers but first a bit of comic book news i don't have a lot this week i'll be flat out of honesty with news i'm even recording later on than i normally would and i still didn't get a ton but i got a couple things uh first of all uh, let me let me tell you the news, and then I'll give you my commentary on this. Mark Millar Mark Millar is bringing Millar World to Dark Horse Comics. Um, I'm not a Mark Millar fan, so this doesn't have an impact on me. And I'm kind of wondering if after the last uh, week of comic book discourse, if this might there might be a bit of buyer's remorse on Dark Horse Comics' part. Uh, for those who don't know, Mark Millar waded into a conversation and allied with the people you normally I know I would hate him to ally with so but it's fine because I didn't like him to begin with but it is what it is um, if this makes you happy great um, just I don't really care to be honest with you so yeah uh, the only other bit of news I have is that if we have a landmark settlement an agreement I should say between the uh, estate of Steve Ditko and Disney uh, regarding the ownership of Spider-Man and some other characters, um, really, really interesting here. Uh, I just I'm going to try to interpret this best I can. Again, I'm not a lawyer, but I just want to go ahead and uh, interpret what what happened here. Essentially, um, Steve Ditko's brother Patrick filed a notice with the Copyright Office that in- enables him to revoke the license of intellectual property given. Uh, which in this case would be specifically Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. Uh, However, there is a complication for that because Ditko might have been under a work-for-hire situation, which he would not have actually any rights to. So it's been complicated. It was going to go to court, but it does seem like Marvel, or I should say Disney and Ditko, have come to an agreement. The details of the agreement are not public, at least not yet. So I know it's kind of a complicated one, but I just wanted to kind of mention it because it's a big deal. It's a really, really big deal, yeah. So yeah, that's literally all the news I have. I have almost no news this week. So what we're going to do is talk about our comics. And as always, when we talk about comics, oh, we don't start with a bang. We start with a boom. Boom Studios is my first publisher. And wouldn't you know it, I have four issues this week. So let's jump in. First of all, Stuff of Nightmares Sleigh Ride. Uh, this is by uh, it's illustrated by Pius Bach, colored by Francisco Sagala, letter by Jim Campbell, and... Written by R. L. Stein. This is yet another entry in the Stuff of Nightmares um horror books that we've been getting from RL Stein. This one is a really great horror book starring a deranged Santa. Uh not the real Santa. It is a it is a essentially a mall Santa. And um it's a kind of cool hook. I really like the idea of it. And um it's just a really cool like slasher horror kind of thing. I, I think it's something that again, we're in that space between Halloween and Christmas. I think it's a perfect time for that, so Definitely fun read. Uh, if you're a big R.L. Stein fan, it's definitely something you want to pick up. After that is Buffy, The Last Vampire Slayer, number five. Oh, boy. So this one is written by Casey Gilley, illustrated by Oriol Roig and Nicola Izzo, uh, colored by Gloria Montanelli, and lettered by Ed Dukeshire. Uh, this is, from what I can tell, it's the end of the story. Whether it's the end of the book, I don't know, because this has been really good. It got me back into Buffy. Um, so I really hope this series doesn't just end. I've really enjoyed it, and I hope there's more to it. But it does wrap up this story of Thessaly, the the last Slayer, if you will, uh, being trained by Buffy and and Anya, and this this whole like very Buffy story of like balancing the social relationships with being the Chosen One, being the Slayer. It's it, it was really well done, starring some of your favorite characters as well. I, I just really really liked it. I, I hope there's more to this. And it made me want to bust out my Buffy omnibuses and go back to the beginning. So uh, definitely did its job. I really like it. If you are a Buffy fan, this is something for you. Next up is The Space Between, number two, written by Corina Bechko, illustrated by Danny Luckert, and letter by Jim Campbell. And let me just tell you, I'm really, really happy that I was right because <laughs> I, I reviewed the first issue of this book. And I was like, it's really cool. And I'm kind of getting the impression we might jump forward generations in this generational ship, this you know generational lifeboat, essentially for humanity. I thought it'd be a cool way to tell the story. And that's exactly what happened. So I, I pat myself on the back for being an astute reader. But I, I really like it. I thought it was a really cool story. It takes place and you get to see how the society does slowly change, which I think is really interesting uh, watching the watching this world change over generations and seeing characters like all the characters we meet only around for one issue. Very cool idea. Um, and this is continuing to really intriguing story. I think it's really, really well done. So big thumbs up space between is a, an, like a very good book. And this should be something that I'm talking about in the awards next year, I think. And my final boom book is Ranger Academy. Number three written by Maria and grade Mora uh, illustrated by Joe Minyoung. Uh, color by Fabiano Mascolo and letter by Ed Dukeshire. Um, continuing this, this amazing story that I've just gotten addicted to of the uh, Ranger Academy, essentially teaching Power Rangers, teaching the young Power Rangers and how they're gonna do it. And approaching this trial that, you know, determines what color you're going to be. And we're only really addressing the main five. And I, I kind of thought that was weird, but I was also kind of like, ah, whatever. I'm not caught up in my lore. Maybe it's something special or something, but then we get a tease of maybe a sixth color. And I don't want to spoil it because it gave me a big, like a big smile on my face. when I saw it. So I want you guys to have that experience too, but really cool. I really like this and delving into like the history and um, yeah, just it's, I loved it. I love this book. Uh, it's easily my favorite piece of power Rangers media in a very long time. And it really wants me to just wants to drag me in to read the rest of it. So uh, I might be picking up the Power Ranger one that Amy Jo Johnson's doing. We'll see. So. Oh, man. So that's all my boom books for the week. Let's move on to some other publishers. Next up, let's talk about let's see here. Okay, let's go to Dark Horse. Dark Horse. I got three books. First of all, Hellboy Winter Special. Uh, I love that we get these like Hellboy one-shot specials every once in a while that just keep the character alive and, you know, entertain us. Really like it. This is called The Yule Cat. Uh, of course, based on characters by Mike Nola, but the story and art by Matt Smith, Chris, Chris Haran doing the colors, and letters by Clem Robbins. Uh, this one's really great. It's, a, it's an Icelandic tale. And um, I'm a big Scandinavian person. I really, well, my people are Scandinavian, first of all, but also I just love the various cultures of Scandinavia. So this one's really fun. Um, I like the dynamic of a giant cat as the bad guy because, you know, Hellboy's a cat person. I think that's fun. So, but yeah, it's, it's a simple one shot, but it's, I, I thought it was really well done. And again, just checking in with Hellboy every once in a while is a really good idea. After that, I got two number ones. First of all, Time Traveler Tales number one. Uh, This one is created by Carl Jacobs with the script by Dave Scheidt. Um, Art by Kelly Nicole Matthews. Letters by Jomet Gill. Um, I'm not familiar with the source material of this. Uh, I just picked up the book because I pick up everything. But it does appear to be from the web series Tales from the SMP. And uh, it's really cool. It's like a young... um, time traveling tale think like you're kind of like your sliders if you will um instead of going through alternate universes it seems like it's traveling through time with this young person and i like this i thought it was a really great all ages book it's definitely the kind of thing i'd pass on to my niece to get to read uh and it does make me interested in the source material so um out of nowhere this wasn't something that was really on my radar but it definitely impressed me so time traveler tales from dark horse comics like i said the first one, if you like the first one, I think you're probably going to like the rest of it because I think it's going to have a pretty consistent tone throughout. So, very good. The last Dark Horse book is Star Wars, The High Republic Adventures. Uh, written by Daniel Jose Older, illustrated by Harvey Tolabao, colored by Michael Teja, letters by Comicraft's Tyler Smith and Jimmy Betancourt. I love this book. I, I love The High Republic so much. And The High Republic of Adventures has been some of the best stuff in The High Republic. And I've really enjoyed it. And now we're going into this new volume of it, and it's it builds on so much of what is already past, and it answers some questions I've had about some characters, <clears throat> specifically my boy Buckets of Blood. Um, <laughs> so it's it's really really good, and it, it does focus on the relationship between the two specific characters, and it gives us a a good. Um, how do I put it? It gives us a really great reunion moment. Uh, I'm curious to see because of the situations around it, what exactly the reality of this is going to be, what it's going to look like, you know, what what happens when we wake up tomorrow kind of thing, you know, but it was a really, um, it was a really uh, like impactful, Uh, moment that I think a lot of fans of the high republic have been really really waiting for so um I love it I'm so glad this is back and I'm so glad that my my comic book store carries it and I'm glad that I realized it's in the all ages section of a comic book store which I didn't know existed so glad it's back next up let's talk dynamite comics I only got the one dynamite book this week and I'll be very quick with it that is negaduck number three uh, this one is written by Jeff Parker, art and color by Cyril C- Cangeliosi, and letter by Jeff eckleberry Um, yeah, it's it, it's all the bad guys are in the search for the the Midas glove that will give them a the chance to turn anything they touch into gold. Uh, we get all these like generic bad guys, but also we get the we get the fearsome five who reluctantly team up again, which is always fun. Um, and, of course, the book is about Negaduck, so we follow Negadux, you know, point of view as far as like what's happening and everything. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm curious to see where we're going to go with it. They're obviously, the story of King Midas, it doesn't end great for the two. So, I'm, obviously, we're going to probably go towards something like that. But it's been a lot of fun. Really digging it. So, again, Darkwing fan, it's definitely worth a pickup. All right. Now let's talk about IDW. And I, oh boy, I cannot stress enough to you out there, listener, how good The Hunger in the Dusk is. Uh, This is Hunger in the Dusk number four. This is, of course, written by G. Willow Wilson, art by Chris Wildgoose, colors by Mosaic, and letter by Simon Bolin. I just, I love a good fantasy comic. That's not a surprise. Anyone that knows me knows I love a good fantasy comic. And this one just has the perfect combination of storytelling and gorgeous, but also appropriate for this story art. I just love this book. It's one that I recommend to everybody that has any interest in comics whatsoever. I think that it's it's the kind of comic I would hand someone who doesn't read comics. It's just been a blast. And if I can stress one thing with you guys, is just that pick this up. Like This is a book that I think you will really, really enjoy. Um, and I want to hear what people think because it, it definitely approaches the humans versus orc story from a different perspective, from a different angle. And it's I think it's very interesting. We have this third-party force, this negative force, and our understanding of it has changed quite a bit even through, across four issues. It's just a really well-told, well-constructed story. And it's something that I'm really enjoying. It's something that I really want to delve more into so i cannot wait for more of this uh, but yeah <clears throat> it's also um you know nominee for our end of the year awards of course so that's something else so definitely check it out and let me know what you think and if you like it tell your friends because books like this it, they live and die by their sales figures and i need this to go on for as long as g willow wilson's willing to do it so yeah all right let's talk about vault comics I got the one vault book this week and that was the nasty number five written by John or story by John Lee's art by Adam Cahoon, colors by Kurt Michael Russell and letter by Jim Campbell. Uh, We get to see a significant portion of the actual film in this issue. And I think that's kind of fun following the characters. Like we've heard them talking about the characters and stuff, but to actually see them in character and stuff was a lot of fun. Um, And they seem to be pulling it off, getting the film together for this film festival But of course, there's this looming threat coming and really interesting. I want to see what's going to happen. Like, how is this going to tie into Red Ennis and everything? I I think it's just this really cool um, situation that's been constructed and just ready to, you know, it's it's an amazing set of dominoes that are just waiting to be pushed over. So very cool. Love the heavy or the nasty, excuse me. So pick it up. All right. Let's talk about Image Comics don't have a ton of image this week, but the ones I have are pretty great. First of all, number one, Our Bones Dust. Uh, this one is a written or story and art by Ben Stanbick, colored by Dave Stewart and lettered by Russ Wooten. Um, this is a really cool wasteland survival tale. Um, I like a good wasteland survival tale. It's got a character. It, it's got a couple hooks is the thing like there's there's a good i guess you'd call it a protagonist i don't have enough information yet to really make that determination but they're certainly framed as the protagonist in my opinion but there's also something else going on there's another type of entity involved in this i don't want to say an overseer but there's someone definitely witnessing what's going on and that's going to be very curious to see how they tie into the overall story uh but really cool really enjoy it um Definitely a very brutal book, uh, as, you know, a lot of wilderness, like, post-apocalyptic survivor style would be. So, very interesting. Definitely worth a pickup. After that is The Sacrificers, number five. Written by Rick Reminder, art by Max Fiomara, colored by Dave McCaig, and lettered by Russ Wooten. This book never ceases to surprise me. I Every time I think I got it figured out, every time I think I know what's going to happen next, they take a turn on me. And it's really interesting. It's it's got this awesome political intrigue of like a fantasy world, but also like dealing really heavily into the theology of it all and corrupt leadership and, you know, the lives of the everyday citizens. It's really interesting. And it's the kind of book where no one's really safe. And that's really thrilling in its own way. But what a book. It's been really, really good. I'm not sure how long it's going to go, but it's been a blast so far. After that is Transformers number three, uh, written by, uh, written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson, colored by Mike Spicer, and lettered by Wes, Russ Wutan. Um So with the Autobots and the Decepticons in the last issue, they did reveal themselves to um, a couple humans, and then now we're kind of seeing them as more of like a main feature, like humanity—not just humans, but humanity—are learning about them, and yeah it goes about as well as anything humanity doesn't understand (laughs) so uh very cool very interesting um i do i do like the idea of you know humanity not trusting the autobots you know not not drawing the distinction between the autobots and the decepticons i think that makes sense uh this has been a really cool run so far dwj has been a really really great um breath of fresh air to the transformers franchise and my final image book of the week is Nights number three. Uh, this one, man, written by Wyatt Kennedy, art by Luigi Formisano, colored by Francesco Segala with assistance by Gloria Martinelli, and letter by Maria Letizia Mirabella. I love this book. Um, I'm, I'm obviously a big fan of Wyatt. We made that clear when Bolero came out, but this is him with a cr- completely new creative team, and I still love this as well. Um, This one does actually follow Gray for a good chunk of it, which I really appreciate because I love Gray. I think she's a cool character. And I do like that we're getting multiple like POV characters, if you will. Um, I think it makes for an interesting saga to it all and tying these characters in together. I love it. I think it's really cool. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And also, I got to say, I love the merch, the merch, the shirt of the month thing. That's a really, really cool idea to have an individual shirt for each month that you can only order on that month. <laughs> really tempted by this one. I might order it when I get paid because I really like the look of it. But um yeah, one of my favorite books right now. I think it's really fun. And it's something you should pick up if you're not, because it's it's it is like Bolero. It's really just this awesome story. But this seems more more like um um an ensemble cast whereas Bolero felt a lot more personal. So, yeah, very cool. And with that, let's move on to DC Comics. And let's start with The Blue Beetle, number four. Uh, This one is, of course, uh, let me pull it up here. There it is. Uh, Written by Josh Trujillo. Art by Adrian Gutierrez. Colored by Will Quintana and Nick Filardi. And letter by Lucas Catoni. I love this one because it's like we get to kind of explore two different relationships in this one, as they as we get to see the tentative feeling out of relationship, which I always love. But it's also backed around this big threat, this big problem, which does lead to this kind of like uneasy alliance with Ted Cord's sister, which I thought was really cool, Uh, because consider what we know about her in general. but yeah, we also get to see a great scene with her receiving a gift from Lex Luthor, which I really liked. I thought that was a lot of fun, too. So um, but yeah, this has been a lot of fun. I really like this book. I think Josh has just a really solid handle on Jaime and his his um supporting cast. I think it's just really fun to read. And it's really becoming a like cool set canon, you know, ensemble that's fun to read. So very cool. After that is Shazam 6. Uh this one is <laughs> Um Let me pull up they put this credits at the back, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Um I, I really like the Shazam book and the Shazam run they've had so far. Uh this one's storytellers this is Mark Wade and Dan Mora, colors by Alejandro Sanchez, and lettered by Troy Pateri. Um this does wrap up the storyline where Billy was having trouble controlling himself when he was using his powers. And we found out it was the six gods that give him his powers are taking turns taking over his body. And uh, it does get resolved in really fun fashion, which involves the, well, not the whole family. Mary's not there, but the rest of the family, the other kids and in just really cool ways. I thought it was a lot of fun. And we kind of launched straight into the next arc at the end of it, which I thought was great too, which does include the return of one of my favorite characters, black Adam, I love Black Adam, so definitely I'm in, I'm on board for the next arc, so we'll see. After that is Birds of Prey number four, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Leonardo Romero, colored by Jordi Belair, and letter by Clayton Cowles. I love this book. It's, it, obviously, we nominated it for an award this year. Um, I love that. Um, I love each member doing their part during this i love diana tearing through each of them one by one in different ways uh just really interesting really fun uh i love the group dynamic in general Uh, some of the characters i love individually it's just it's just done really really well this is the full-on like conflict on uh the mascara is full-on going this at this point and uh I love uh, Zana Zealot. I love her in this, too. She was really great. She's probably the highlight, although Barta killed it in this issue. So very cool. I'm having a lot of fun with this Birds of Prey book, and I'm glad that I see a lot of people chattering about it and talking about how great it is. Speaking of great, Fire and Ice, Welcome to Smallville, number four. Um, <laughs> this book, it, it, it's probably the most fun comic I'm reading right now. Because it it, it doesn't take itself too seriously, but it has genuine emotion behind it. And I think that's a very, you know, complicated and difficult balance to strike. This one, the script is Joanne Sterer, art by Natasha Bustos, colored by Tamara Bonvillain, and letter by Ariana Mayer. With everything that happened in the last issue, uh, Fire and Ice, they do have to move their contingent of repentant supervillains from their place of business into a cave. And so we get the little cameos and stuff. We get to see a bit more of a, um, a bit more of a, like focus on Rocky and what's going on with Rocky. And it seems a bit more aggressive and weird. And I think that's very interesting. What, what could possibly happen there? So that's definitely something to keep an eye out for. Um, but I've loved this book too. Again, once again, we nominated it for an award, so it's obviously one of my favorites, but, Very interesting. And last year's winner for best DC Gotham book, Poison Ivy number 17. Uh, This book, it finally got back to something that I was so anxious about, which is the fact that um, during a previous issue, when Ivy was busy and, you know, dealing with stuff, we did see a bit where Janet and Harley kissed. And it has been brought up in a couple issues. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I've been waiting. And this one definitely brings it back. Uh, written by G. Willow Wilson. Guest art and colors by Luana Vecchio. We love you, Luana. We love you so much. So glad to see you back. And letters by Hassan Atsmani al Um I really like this issue. So Janet is struggling with keeping this secret. And also the fact that she hooked up with Ivy in the past too, which I think is very funny. Um... I wonder how this is going to come to an head. I think it's going to be a very um, intriguing story, how it's handled. It might be very goofy and fun. It might be actually ultra serious. I don't know. I don't know which way it'll go. This book could be either way. So very cool. We also get to see Ivy trying to work on the the Lamia problem and coming to the realization that Croc is immune, which obviously is going to help her. Um, Also, we get the appearance of another favorite that was recently in the Harley Quinn book that I absolutely love. Ah, screw it. I was going to be like coy, but it's Solomon Grundy. Solomon Grundy's back, so I'm very excited about that. And this little super team of Ivy, Grundy, and Croc is going to be a lot of fun. After that is our pair of Beast World books. First of all, Titans Beast World, Waller Rising. It says number one, but I drew kind of the conclusion this is a one-shot. If it's not, please let me know. Written by Chuck Brown. Art by Karen Grant. Uh, Let's see here. I don't have a color listed uh, letters by Wes Abbott. Uh, so this is, um, this is a really interesting book. Uh, it in the middle of this beast world thing, which is, you know, transforming the heroes and the people of the world into beasts. There's this threat to this other plane of existence. And these heroes kind of have to like work together about it. Um, I really like seeing black Manta again. Cause I love black Manta that most recent, uh, Aquaman run with him was really cool and interesting. I'm glad to see him being used again because it's a character that I genuinely enjoy quite a bit. Um, we also get eyes on Deadeye, Amanda Waller's nephew and a cool character. Not if He's he's either new or he's a character I'm not familiar with in the past, but very, very interesting. I think that's uh, um, definitely something uh, definitely a character I enjoyed and want to see more of. So The other Beast World book is Titans, Beast World Tour Metropolis. Uh, This one is a couple different stories, but the main story is by Nicole Maines and Steve Orlando with writing. uh, Fico Osio as the artist. uh, Luis Guerrero at the colors and letter by Rob Lay. And this one is a Dreamer story. So, you know, if you know me at all, I loved it because Dreamer is my love. I absolutely adore Dreamer. One of my favorite characters in comics and, just uh, so great, and again, loved seeing Nicole Maines behind behind the wheel with Steve Valendo in this case. So there's another story, um, a story about uh, Turtle Boy Jimmy Olsen with Bibbo, which I thought was a lot of fun, and then an absolutely like gorgeous story at the end, uh, kind of teasing more into the the beast world of it all, and uh, I that I really really liked. I thought it was really cool. Uh, that one is written or it's drawn by Edwin Galman, So I just really like the art. I want to make sure you guys check that out if you get this to read all three stories. But yeah, I love it. Um, Dreamer has, you know, her powers are enhanced and trying to like focus them, trying to use them, you know, correctly and not be overwhelmed by seeing the future. It, it's a really cool story. I, I really like it. And again, it's Dreamer. I love Dreamer. And you guys know that. So very, very cool. Uh, And I'm excited for more Beast World. All right. Well, it's time to talk about Marvel. And we're going to start with a Voices compilation. Uh, Voices, the Avengers in this case. I won't talk too much about it because it's multiple different stories, but I'll run through the creative teams really quick just so everybody gets credit. We have an introduction by David Betancourt. Uh... Amdu Ambutgar, Tadam Gaju, and Michael Bartolo, Angelique Roche, Justina Ireland, Karen S. Darbo, Ceci de la Cruz, Luciano Vecchio, uh, Jason Concepcion, Moses Hildago, Brian Valenza, Angelique Roche, Robbie Thompson, Sid Kodian, Adriana Di Benedetto, Di Benedetto there we go, and Juancho Velez. Uh, with the lettering all done by Travis Lanham. Very cool, like a, a pretty diverse group of characters. I think the highlight to me was checking in with uh, Robbie Reyes in this, you know, pocket realm he's stuck in, trying to fix his car, talking to his brother who's not there. Very cool story. I cannot wait for Robbie to come back into the mainstream universe because just, oh, what a year he, he had as an Avenger. A couple years, I should say. And uh, he's definitely missed. I, I can't wait for him to come back. All right, next up is a couple number ones. First of all, The Sentry, number one. Uh, And I should mention, I got the Peach Momoko Nightmare variant, which is excellent. Written by Jason Liu, art by Luigi Zagaria, colored by Arthur Hesley, and letter by Joe Carmagna. So as we all know, The Sentry is dead. Now, I'm not the biggest Sentry fan, but I get it. I get why people like him. So um, this is a really interesting story. With The Sentry dead, the whole idea is like, you know, he has all these powers. He is raw power. He is the power of a million, th- 10 million exploding sons. Right. So where does that go? You know, and that's kind of the idea. So in the end, the idea is that his powers are finding new hosts and we get to see these cool new characters all around the world getting these powers. And I think it's really interesting, like the types of characters they're picking and, where the conflict is going to come from here is amongst the people getting the powers because much like Sentry wasn't necessarily just a good guy. This is going between people who are both good guys and not necessarily good guys. And I think that's a good story. I think it's going to be a very interesting tale and it's also going to be very interesting to see who ends up with it. I think the first issue gave us a pretty good idea, but they could totally pull the rug out from under us and change it up. So I love this idea. I was not sold on the century coming back. It wasn't something that I was really looking forward to. But um, yeah, I'm here for this issue. I thought it was really well done. And I'm hooked. I want to see what's going to happen. So great job. After that is Thunderbolts number one. Uh, I will say I love this book. It was really, really well done. But I do want to just make something very clear. I liked the last Thunderbolts run a lot. And it kind of makes me like a little annoyed that they ended and got shelved. I'm not blaming the creative team or anything like that. That's a moral decision, but I liked them. What the hell? <laughs> so, but anyways, this one's good too. Written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly. Art by Geraldo Borges, Colors by Arthur Hesley. And letter by Joseph, Josephino. Um, this is a cool story of Bucky gathering this team to stop um, the Red Skull uh finally to finally just completely eliminate the red skull which is obviously something that steve would not be okay with but this is very much bucky's mo and i thought that was very cool it's very in character it's something i could see him doing and he's gathering a team to do it so we get uh we get to see him first approach the contessa which was cool um and then also meeting with the new destroyer aka sharon um Love to see Sharon in the the uh, the armored mask and just looking badass and doing her own thing. Very cool. And they are joined by by the end of the issue with Red Guardian, which I thought was cool as hell. Um, very cool. The team is going to expand in the next issue, but I like the idea. I like the um I like the point, and I, I like seeing these two back on a Captain America adjacent story after the run they had. So. Very cool. Once again, another great number one. I'm here for it. After that is Avengers 8. And once again, I got the Peach Momoko variant. Written by Jed McKay. Art by Sia Villa. Colored by Federico Blee. And letter by Corey Petit. So we discovered in the last issue that the Avengers were knocked out by Nightmare. And um, they're about to be attacked. And uh, who, like the only two that are able to recover uh, from that are Scarlet Witch and Vision. However, uh, now we have uh, Meriden and his Twilight Court. The people who've been trying to kill Kang this in time show up and the two of them have to hold off this whole team of, of other heroes quote, I guess, <laughs> while the rest of the Avengers recover. So it's really cool. It's nice to see the two of them work together. Um, obviously, I love the idea of like, I, I'm a big Wanda fan. So the idea of Wanda holding people off is really cool. Um, and kind of exploring who this other team is was really interesting too. I think that was the main purpose of this and very cool. I really liked it. Um, this Avengers run has been very good and just missed out getting a nomination uh, for our end of the year awards. This, the Marvel category is the hardest to crack. There's a reason there's three of them. So and fantastic 4 14. Once again, for the three count uh, nightmare variant by peach Momoko. Written by Ryan North, art by Ivan Fiorelli, colored by Brian Reburn, lettered by Joe Carmagna. The Fantastic Four come back to New York ready to greet their family from the, the problem that they had before, where they were set forward in time of year, but they spent this whole year on the run doing their own thing, and now they're back, and someone's building something right where the base was and that can't help. And so it's just this, it leads to this whole situation where they fight some supervillains um, and they discover this guy's evil plan. And, and I think one of the hallmarks of the Ryan North era of fantastic four have been these really heady evil plans that are, or, or really heady science problems that they have have to solve with their brains. And I think that's obviously a great thing for fantastic four. This is no exception. It's a concept that is really interesting to me, and I—it's I, very, it's very, um, it's very much a rabbit hole to think about too much. But I really like it. I'm not going to spoil it. It's a cool hook. I want you to read it yourself. But uh, it does seem resolved within one issue, and then it seems like the kids are coming back, and then they don't. So what's going to happen next? I'm very curious. After that is Daredevil, number four, written by Saladin Ahmed, art by Herman Brota, colored by Jesus Aburdov, and letter by Clayton Cowles. Um, Very good issue. This one um, does focus directly into Matt and kind of like following him around. Definitely more as Daredevil than Father Matt, although he gets a great interlude as Father Matt at a police station, which was cool as hell. Really appreciated that. Um, but yeah, him, him dealing with the fact that bullseye is back. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see how his civilian life survives what's happening. Like with him coming back as daredevil. I think that's the cool conflict to, to lean into. And, uh, I'm definitely curious to see how this, obviously he's going to be busy for gang war. And I know that the gang war daredevil is going to be the Electra daredevil, but I'm still curious. I'm still curious to see if it has any impact long-term on, you know, matt's struggle if you will so very cool after that let's talk about spidey books i got the two of them venom 28 uh, written by torn gronbeck art by julius Ota with rafael pimentel colored by frank d'armada and letter by clayton cows um, this one is leading into the rescue of toxin uh, and the cover very much is like featuring that black widow uh symbiote which i think is very cool but as they go into further rescue of Toxin, it does seem like that things might be a little bit of a setup. Um, It's not explicitly stated as such, but it definitely seems to be hinting towards that, which I think is very interesting. Um, What the long-term ideas here, what the long-term plans and consequences of their actions are, but a very good issue. And, you know, I think we might jump back to Eddie in the next issue, just kind of based on the very ending of this one. Which is cool. I like that we're also jumping back between the two stories. Very interesting idea. So next up is our only gang war, gang war um, issue for the week, which is the amazing Spider-Man 39. Um, let me just say, I really appreciate the, um, the map at the beginning that, you know, keeps track of the gang territories in New York. I think that's actually really interesting and helps out a lot. This is written by Zeb Wells. Pencil by John Romita Jr., inked by Scott Hanna, colored by Marcio Meniz, and letter by Jokara Magna. And we get to see, you know, a big fight, or the big fight between all these gang leaders, you know, start, really kind of kick off. And we get to start with the Ringmaster, which I just, I'm a, I'm a long-term fan of the Ringmaster, but part of that is because he was the bad guy in Sensational She-Hulk, number one, which I love. I love that book so much. And, uh, and by that I mean the original sensational She Hulk, not the current run, and uh, the Circus of Crime and everything. So I always had a soft spot in my heart for him. And he um, he goes up against um, was, who was it Spy Master? I'm trying to remember. Um, uh, crime Master, it's not Spy Master. Crime Master. Yeah, sorry. Um, very cool. We get to see that, but then we also get to see Spidey's new team to break this shit up, which is Spidey, She Hulk uh other spidey electra and spider woman and um they work together but they also kind of split off and do their own things we can we check in with a lot of the major characters uh of the gang war thing as well one of the things i think is most interesting is tombstone wakes up like i didn't think tombstone would wake up for a while i thought it would get a lot worse before he did and this is kind of leading to a very interesting scenario where spidey might be teaming up with Tombstone which is cool. It's a really good hook. I think that's a great idea. And Gang War has already been really good. So I'm, I have a lot of hope for the rest of this crossover. Now let's talk about our X books. We're, middle in, the, we're in the middle of Fall of X. So let's start with Invincible Iron Man number 13. Um, <laughs> written by Gary Dugan, art by Juan for Gary, Color by Brian Valenza, and letter by Joe Carb Magna. I laughed because I remembered... Something I'm very excited to talk about. Uh, so Emma and Tony and the whole team, including Riri, kind of get this their plan into motion uh, to get all this Mysterium to build weapons to take down Orcus. And everybody has their own part. And joining them is one of my favorite Avengers ever, Star Fox. Star Fox is absolutely ridiculous. I love him. Uh, or I love them, actually. At this point, I wouldn't want to assume their gender. Uh, but just amazing. So good. There's also a bit where uh, there's two imposters pretending to be Tony and Emma while they're doing their things. And there's a, there's like a fun bit with that. There's a lot of going on in this book, but it's really, really great. And then Riri just Riri is so good. And the ending with forge, it's just so much is coming together. I love how tied to the Xbox books and Iron Man is. It's been a blast. I've thoroughly enjoyed this book and i it's one of my favorite Marvel books and I never thought I'd say that about an Iron Man book. So, very good. After that is Alpha Flight number five. Okay, so this is the finale of the mini. Written by Ed Brisson. Art by Scott Godlutsky with David Cutler. colored by Matt Mia. Letter by Travis Lanham. And this book, everybody, is my book of the week. I love alpha flight and I've said it before and I'll say it again. I want an ongoing, I want an ongoing alpha flight. I want it to be its own thing. I want them to have fun within these characters because these characters are great. I just love them so much. I read a lot of alpha flight growing up. Anytime they crossed over with other characters, I was always on top of it. I I always loved North star. I always loved Sasquatch. Like there's just so many characters I've always really, really liked. And this is kind of like a really great love letter homage to the Alpha flight of old, but the awful flight of new and tying it all into the fall of X has been really good and just a really good, bittersweet story in the end. I thought it was so well done and just the drama of it all and uh, just what's going to happen next. Like I need to know. So I love this book. It's my book of the week easily. Um, I try not to pick. I always try to pick it like a number one or like a big issue or something like that, but this is a finale. I don't care. I loved it. It's my choice. Book of the week, alpha flight number five. And my final book for the week is X-Men 29. Oh my God. This was a really good issue. It's written by Gary Dugan, art by Joshua Casara, color by Marta Gracie and letter by Clayton Cowles. On the surface, you might read this and think, well, not a lot happened. But I think so much happened and so much important stuff occurred. Essentially, the X-Men come face to face with Doom's mutants. These are the mutants that uh, are in in Latveria and uh, that Doom has employed essentially as henchmen. But they're willingly doing that. This is something that they're willingly doing. And I think... um, they're really interesting characters. And there's also some teases of characters we haven't seen yet because they're too powerful and not in control. And in the end, it's like, yes, there is a fight, but there's also the idea of like, there's situations where they might be on the same side, where they where Doom might even offer their services. And I think that's interesting. Um, they, definitely seeing where this is going to lead in the fall of X because there's so many different forces arrayed on both sides of the combat. And I think it's going to be, it's going to be one hell of a fight is what I'll say. So very, very cool. I'm very satisfied with fall of X, even if I really, really miss Kirkoa. I really do, but I get it. Comics have to change, you know, that's, that's how you keep them fresh. So I don't know. We'll see. That being said, um, I believe that's it. That is it. Yeah. Um, so those are the issues we had this week. Make sure to check us out on Twitter. You can find me at WHI Podcast Keith. You can find our producer Liz at WHI Podcast Liz. You can find Hostway at Hostway Reads Hostway. You can also find the show itself at WHI Podcast. On there, you uh, it's the best place to follow us. You get an announcement whenever a new episode comes out, as well as timestamps for each individual uh, publisher and a complete list of every issue reviewed. So it's the easiest way to keep up with us. Also, follow our other show, Jukebox Vertigo, at Jukebox Vertigo. That is our musical show. Uh, we are currently putting out episodes where we are having long-form discussions and occasionally debates about specific music subjects. Uh, the most recent episode out is the 80s, and based around the concept that some people say the 80s is the worst decade for music. And Our basically discussion is, is that accurate? What do you think of the music of 80s? Do you think that judgment is fair? And uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm joined by my co-host on there, Amanda. As well as our special guest, JD from Certain POV. So make sure to check that out. Speaking of Certain POV, that is our network for Jukebox Vertigo. You can find them at Certain POV Media on Twitter and at CertainPOV.com. Make sure to check them out. There's a lot of great shows on there. And make sure to join the Discord. Uh, we have so much fun on that Discord. I, I check it multiple times a day. We have so many great discussions about TV shows and songs and video games, and books, and, you know, D&D and everything you might imagine. So as long as you're not a jerk, join the Discord. Once again, at Certain CertainPOV Media on Twitter, as well as CertainPOV.com. Also, follow my co-host Josue on Ho- on Twitch at JosuePlaysJosue. He's not been around lately, but I know if he comes back and sees a bunch of people who's following him, I think he's going to be very happy. So make sure to do that. That's it. Don't forget to backboard and rock your new treasures and we'll see you next week with a new batch of beautiful books. So stay safe and read more comics. Are you tired of watching your beloved characters being tortured by careless authors? Are you sick of feeling like they could have swapped out all of the painful action and the plot would remain untouched? Subscribe to Books That Burn, a fortnightly book review podcast focusing on fictional depictions of trauma. We assume that the characters' reactions are reasonable and focus on how badly or well they were served by their authors. Join us for our minor character spotlights, main character discussions, and favorite non-traumatic things in the dark books we love. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts.